Hello, welcome to the Impact Church Podcast. Today, in part of our Govember sermon series, we're looking at the mandate. Last week, we talked about the method, and this week, we're talking about what mandate has Jesus given the church. And we're going to dig into Matthew chapter 28, where Jesus says, Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to do whatever it is I've commanded you to do. So we're going to dig into that. We're going to look at the authority we have to participate in this call. So grab your Bibles, and we're going to jump right in. Morning, everybody. I thought I'd dress up today and wear a shirt. Everybody's talking about it, so. Wearing a shirt, and I tucked it in, too. Somebody said, I've never seen you tuck a shirt in. I was like, wow, no. (laughs) Special occasion. (laughs) But it's really good to be in the house of God. My goodness. Every, Every time I come up here, I'm just like, wow, what an honor it is to worship Jesus with people. It's really good. Last week, I had the honor to go to Toronto with uh, Stephen Henry and go uh, share some things with our, our family in Toronto. So we got an Impact Church family in Toronto, in Bridgewater, Nova Scotia, down the road in Stratfordville. And it's just really cool to know that we got, we got family. You know, uh, Pastor Carl's talking about the DNA in the house, and that, that DNA, it's, it's all over the place. It's really cool. Eh? It's not, I mean, we are the church. The church is everywhere. The church is meeting all over the city, but uh, that, that's us in a special way. So it was a lot of fun last week. Really, really enjoyed it. And, uh, but it's really good to be home. Yeah. And uh, last week, as Pastor Carl said, we talked about the, the method. And uh, I, I'm proud to say that I rather awkwardly actually did pass out a card this week. And uh, I don't know if the, if the fellow's watching this week, but his name's Ali. And uh, we are doing a young adult pizza night here on Friday night. And so I cheated a little bit because I gave it to somebody who already came. But, uh, eh. <laughs> whatever. He, uh, he came to drop off pizza. And uh, th- this man came in and he's like, wow, you guys did a great job with the building. He's like, you know, I remember this as Zellers. And uh, he's telling me about his past and in another life he used to... Uh, um, you know, build houses and renovate buildings and stuff like that. So he was just like, oh my goodness. And so I said, hey, come on in, have a look at the sanctuary. And uh, he's like, oh my goodness, what are you guys doing tonight? Are you having a concert or something? And I said, no, but every Sunday, we've got some pretty good music and we'd love to have you. And he's like, well, what are you doing tonight? I said, well, it's a movie night. And uh, for, I didn't have the heart to tell him it was for young adults, like 18 to 40-ish. I, I didn't want to offend him, but he was, he's, looked a little bit past 40-ish, like even the ish part would have been a stretch, but a uh, lovely guy anyway. So I, I was able to get him a card and say, hey, check this out. Look at, look at our website. We've got lots of events coming up. You want to, I don't know, come have wings and do bingo or something. And he's like, I, I'm going to be out of the country, but it's, it's really easy, really, uh, even for really awkward people like me. <laughs> It's, it's easy to invite people. Um, and and I, I was watching online Pastor Carl's sermon last week and, and, and the ending about Zacchaeus and there being tree climbers. And that's just, that just really got me. I was like, you know, Zacchaeus, the wee little man, he climbed up the sycamore tree because it was the Lord he wanted to see. So he climbed the tree because he wanted to see the Lord. There was something already stirring in this guy's heart that he was like, I, I need to see this Jesus. I've heard about him. I've heard about some things. But the Lord was already speaking to him. And uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there that Jesus is already speaking to. And the, the trick is just kind of, Holy Spirit, how do, I, how do I engage that conversation that you're already having with somebody? How can I be maybe the piece that's the next part of the puzzle? Hey, come to church. 
Maybe they're thinking about something. They're coming to church. Is gonna, there's going to be a question that's answered. Or, or somebody, some beautiful person here is going to be able to be the next piece of the puzzle for them and, and moving them along in their, in their journey to know Jesus. So don't, don't feel any pressure in the sense that you don't have to do it all at once. You know, one waters and other plants, and, but the Lord gives the increase. So we're just looking to do our part. And thankfully, because we know the Spirit of God is moving. You know, in the beginning, he hovered over the surface of the waters. He's hovering all over the world right now, turning hearts to Jesus. And we just want to have eyes to see those. But, but we got to remember, there's tree climbers everywhere. But they're looking to see Jesus. So t- today, we're going to look at the mandate. And uh, it's a bit of an awkward word. I don't know when's the last time you've used the word mandate. But it sums up perfectly, uh, entirely, what we're trying to talk about. So an, a mandate is this. It's an official order or a commission to do something. And I'd ask you, as the church of Jesus Christ, as individual believers, do we have a commission? Do we have a mandate? Have we been given one? We have. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 19. Then Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. A lot of Bibles, they have above this section called the Great Commission. This is the mandate. Jesus was leaving. He did what he needed to do. He's like, hey, Holy Spirit's coming, and when he comes, I'm gonna, he's going to give you power, and you're going to have the ability to do this. This is what I'm leaving you to do. This is the job. This is the purpose. This is your commission. This is your mandate. Go and make disciples of all nations. I don't know about you, but sometimes when the world gets a little topsy-turvy, maybe in your life, maybe there's things going on in your life that kind of make things feel like it's a little bit rocky. I, for one, I love the fact that I can push back and say, you know what, God, a lot of things in my life don't make sense, but I'm solid on this. I've got purpose. I've got divine purpose in my life, and it doesn't matter where I work. It doesn't matter what's going on with my family. It doesn't matter what's going on with my finances. There's purpose in my life that is a rock-solid thing I can stand on, and it has its basis in eternity. God had a plan and a purpose for my life, and I can push back on that all the time, and I always find meaning. So there's, there's all these psychological studies that talk about how it's, uh, it'll basically drive you mad if you're deprived of meaningful work. You know, and sometimes, you know, we, we end up finding ourselves doing things that, you know, it's a stepping stone job or it's something that we, you know, maybe aren't thrilled about. But in the midst of that, you've got a greater call, a greater mandate and a greater commission to push back on. You've been called and commissioned by God to do something so much more significant than, than even just what it is that you're doing. It's relational. It's deeply connected to eternal purpose. And it's actually the mandate is what's going to move forward God's purposes when all of us are like, yeah, I've been commissioned by God and with that given authority to make disciples of all nations. So, I mean, good things are going to happen, but all that good stuff, it's bound up in us embracing the fact that we've been given a mandate. Jesus didn't commission the angels to go and preach the gospel or make disciples. And if you can hear this, he didn't even say, I would do it. He didn't even say, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit who's going to make disciples. He said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to empower you. And he is the helper. But there's something powerful about human-to-human connection and interaction where we can speak about God in a way that's just absolutely powerful in a way that nothing else in all of creation can. The angels don't know God as as their father or their savior, but you do. So, I mean, we got to grasp this thing. we got to understand, wow, it's, it's both a beautiful thing and it's a sober reality. I've been given a commission. 
a mandate. We together have been called by God to do something. Go and make disciples of all nations. And I want to try to present to you just this little thought, but uh, when God made human beings, he originally gave us a commandment and a commission. Have a look in Genesis for a second. Genesis chapter 1, 26 and 28. Yeah, it's going to pop up, promise. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, over the livestock, and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God made mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he made them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful. Increase in number, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves along the ground. So God made human beings, and he gave us a job. Right away, he gave us purpose. And you know, Adam and Eve, when they were engaged in that purpose, things would go well for them. And as we'll see, when they didn't, that's when all sorts of nasty stuff kind of crept in. But the original commission given to human beings was to rule over and have dominion over the earth, to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, and to do so in the image of God. Now, it was said in the, you know, it said that God gave Adam and Eve one commandment. You shall not eat of the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, right? Don't eat of that fruit. That was the one commandment that God gave them. But actually, that was the one prohibitive commandment that God gave them. He gave them a commission and he gave them a mandate. See, life with God is more than just that one thing that you're not supposed to do. It's actually embracing all the stuff that you've been called, empowered, and commissioned to do. And the reality is, when you're busy doing and engaged in the things that God's called us to do, there's actually not a lot of time to mess about with that tree. You know? Like, why, why were they hanging out by that tree anyways? Why, why is she hanging around looking at it and thinking, oh, that looks pretty good? Why wasn't she pushing the boundaries of the garden? Why wasn't she storming the gates of the chaos and saying, God, I got something good to bring into the rest of this world? Why wasn't she engaged? Who knows? I'm speculating a little bit. Like, think about, uh, you know, the Israelites when they're leaving. They, they were told, you got to get out of here. you got to leave Egypt. You don't even have time to let your bread rise. Get out of here. And frequently in the Bible, the leaven, the yeast of the Pharisees, it's hypocrisy and the leaven of malice and wickedness. You, you don't have time to engage this stuff when you're going with God. David, when he was supposed to be fighting in the springtime, when the kings go out to battle, he wasn't engaged in his mission. He was sitting around doing nothing. And you know what happened? He should have been on the battlefield. He should have been uh, ex- extending the boundaries and fighting the, the, the enemies of God. But instead, he found himself on a rooftop with a pair of binoculars looking at his, one of his commander's wives. Bit naughty. But he wasn't engaged in what he could have been, right? Come on, there's, there's something there. Nehemiah, well, come on down off the wall. And he's like, oh, no. <laughs> Not going down to, oh, no. I'm engaged in a noble purpose. So, I mean, guys, there's something, there's something powerful and, and directional in life when you are captivated by the call and the commission of God, and every day is an embrace of that mission and an embrace of that mandate. Something powerful will be released in your life, and the ability to perform this commission that humanity was originally given was the fact that they were made in the image of God. And there's, there's a lot of speculation about what is it that makes human beings human, but I think intrinsically linked to the image of God in human beings is you and I were designed to rule. You and I were designed to live in this earth as kings. We were. We weren't meant to be subservient to things like sin and sickness and death and disease and all that kind of stuff and let the devil run around doing all the stuff that he was supposed to do. We were supposed to be in charge. 
We were made that way, and that's what it means to be in the image of God, to have the authority and the dominion of God restored to your soul, restored to your person, and being able to walk in it. That's just as much the image of God as, let's say, kindness is. So they, they were given this commission, they, and with the commission, when you receive a commission and a mandate, and you're equipped with it with the authority to do it, that means, I'll turn a corner in a second, I promise, but there's a, that means you're responsible for it. You know, that means if you do it, it'll happen. If you don't do it, it won't happen. The way that you do it will produce certain results, and the way that you don't do it will produce other results. So that it's, not a, it's not a heavy, it's just, Lord Jesus, wow, you've, you've given us real authority. We have the capacity to do things of consequence, of eternal value. We have the capacity to make difference in the lives of our neighbors and in our city. We have the difference to pray prayers, to say words, to have relationships that turn things around. And the thing about it is, and this is kind of the sobering thing, if we don't, it might not. And that, that, that's not a heavy thing. That's, a, that's an invitation into an amazing relationship with God where you can say, wow, God wants me to do this. He's equipped me to do this. I have the authority and the capacity to do this. It's an amazing thing. It's really, really amazing. It's amazing that God would give his authority to us. But here's the thing. When Adam and Eve didn't take up this commission, when they didn't take up the mandate, what happened? They fell into sin. They listened to the lies of the devil, and by doing so, they came under the devil and his influence. And, and I got this out of Pastor Carl's notes, but this, this is just really, really powerful. When Adam and Eve fell, get this, they didn't lose a religion. They lost their place as rulers. They lost their purpose. They lost their capacity to partner in the purpose that they had. And by coming under the lie of the devil and exchanging the devil's lies for God's truths, making that exchange, they came under him and gave away the authority and gave away the mandate to the devil. Luke chapter 4, verse 6 to 8, uh, Jesus is in the wilderness and the devil comes to him and he says, hey, I'll give you all the authority and splendor of the kingdoms. It's been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to if you worship me. But notice what the devil says. He says, I've been given the authority on planet earth here. I have the authority over all this stuff. Why? Because we gave it to him. We gave it to him. We abdicated our responsibility and we gave away authority for planet earth and the devil said, thank you very much. So part of what Adam and Eve lost when they fell was they lost dominion. They lost the capacity to rule because the image of God in them was marred. They lost authority because they gave it away. And they lost their confidence in standing before God because of their sin. But get this, they didn't lose his love. He loved them with an everlasting love and he set about right away to say, hey, I'm gonna redeem you. And that very thing that seems to have control over you and authority over you now, hey, you're gonna stomp its head. Come on. So he set about to restore them right away, but, but they did lose their spiritual and eventually their physical lives. But this is why Jesus came. This is why Jesus came as a, as a human being, to take back the authority that humanity left, that we gave it away. So Matthew 9, 6 to 8, Jesus shows up and he says, but I want you to know the Son of Man, Jesus, has authority on earth to forgive sins. Get up, take your mat, and go home. And when the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe and they praised God who'd given such authority to men. Isn't that cool? I think people are scratching their heads. They're seeing something in Jesus and they're watching the miracles and there's, there's some sort of primal remembrance of the garden inside of them. There's something being stirred inside of them saying, wow, that's what I fell from. That's what I could walk in. That's what I was destined for. And they're scratching their heads and they're like, wow. 
as if God has given such authority to men. John 5, 27, and all authority, or the Father has given Jesus authority and granted him power to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. And as a man, Jesus restored the, the authority that humanity lost by rising from the dead and defeating the devil. He set us free from our servitude to death, our servitude to sin, our servitude to sickness, our servitude to all of the things that the devil has unleashed on planet earth because we gave him the keys. It says in Revelations, Jesus shows up, talks to his friend John and says, I, I was dead, but I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Jesus took it back. Jesus God, and he recovered all the authority that was lost. And that's where our commission and our mandate comes back into play. Because Jesus delivered us from being dominated by the devil. Death, sin, the curse. He restored humanity and gave us back the authority that we lost. That is the basis for the commission that, now, that we now have. And you have to know that you have authority. You have to know that you have been given authority in Christ Jesus. That's why the, the, the Great Commission, it starts with this. Matthew 28, all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. Jesus has all the authority, therefore go. If you identify yourself in Christ Jesus, not only do you have a mandate with the responsibility that goes with it, but you have the authority. And that means you can pray those prayers for your friends, your family, and your neighbors, and you can see things shift and change. See, Adam and Eve, they had authority in the garden, and they had authority to export the conditions that were in the garden out to the rest of the earth. So that's pretty special, right? I mean, when, when you think about it, uh, the psalmist says, who's man that you, you know, you're, you're mindful of him? You know, basically, what, what, what is it, God, that you pay so much attention to these human beings? You made him a little lower than, actually says Elohim, a little lower than God. So Adam was made as an incredible being. He had the capacity, get this, Adam, who was meant to take the conditions of the garden and export it throughout the rest of the earth, Adam had the power and the capacity to put the kibosh on a fallen archangel. That's what Adam walked in. I don't think, you know, I, I don't know that we fully grasp what we fell from, but that's okay. We have to really grasp what we've been raised up into. And the authority that we've been raised up into in Christ Jesus is so much more than what we fell from. We, we're not just given authority in the garden and in the earth. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. I don't just have authority in my little patch of earth, but I have the ability and the authority in Jesus because all authority is in him and authority is given. If you're trying to earn it, stop it. It's given. But I've been given the authority to bind and loose on both earth and heaven. And I'll tell you, there's, there's a... <laughs> it's a little uncomfortable to talk about, but there is a spiritual component to our, our friends, our neighbors, our city being let loose and set free to come to know Jesus. The Bible talks about the God of this world who's blinded the minds of the unbelievers lest they should see the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. A couple things there. The light of the glory of God is found in the face of Jesus. It's not found anywhere else. But we gotta lead people to Jesus. But there is a devil who's trying to lead them to anything but him. And there's a devil whose power that we have the capacity in our prayer life to push off and push back because Jesus has been given all authority in heaven and earth. And we walk in that now too. So that's your starting place. You got to know, you got a mandate. You've been commissioned to bring the kingdom of God, make disciples, push out the boundaries of the kingdom in your world, in your friend circle, in your sphere. You got to identify it. But I'll tell you what, it starts with knowing that in Christ you have authority to do so. He's not called you to something you can't do. And he's not left you unempowered to do so. So all authority is given to him. And in him, we again have that authority. 
and we're restored to the original commission. Yes, have kids, fill the earth, multiply, do so. But multiply and spiritually reproduce according to kind. There's a principle in the Bible. The trees brought forth their fruits according to kind. Adam brought forth the son according to his kind. You know, we now are called to make disciples and reproduce, repopulate the earth, fill the earth with the new creation. Same commission. We rule and have dominion again. This time it's over sin. It's over brokenness. It's over every area of human life where sin and death and devil reign. We bring it back under the influence of the kingdom of God by proclaiming the message of his kingdom and teaching people how to live in it. See, the commission to teach people to obey all that he has commanded is not a call to institute a religion. It's a call to align our lives with the wisdom and the values, and most importantly, the life of the Son of God in Christ Jesus and all of its manifold expressions. This is our eternal call. Ephesians chapter 3, 10 to 11, that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known in the church. Circle the word in your mind now for a second. Now. That now, now, right now, not in some day in the future, not after a bunch of bad things happen or good things, but right now, today, it's my calling, and I've been connected to this through Jesus Christ, it's my calling today, right now, to manifest the manifold wisdom of God in all of my life. Now, today. Not just in some future day. But now, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. Wow to principalities and powers in heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Jesus Christ our Lord. We're commissioned to teach people to express the manifold wisdom of God. Did you know that if you know that God is good and you know that he loves you with an everlasting love and you know that all of his intentions towards you are goodness and kindness and that he wants mercy and goodness to follow you all the days of your life, you gotta know that when he speaks wisdom into your life and he speaks an application of something that's it's gonna bless you. It's going to help you. It's going to prosper you. There's wisdom from God, manifold wisdom from God in his word, bound up in the people of God. I've got a pastor. I receive wisdom from my pastor. There's, there's, there's ways that God wants to get that wisdom to you, but we get it. We receive it, and we manifest it in our lives, and that's our call. Pastor Carl talked about this in the, in the, the little in, interlude there, Habakkuk 2.14, lack of a better word. The earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's not just, hey, the glory of the Lord's going to be in London, Timbuktu, and Tokyo, and Los Angeles. That is going to happen. There's not going to be one place on planet earth where the knowledge of the glory of the Lord has been escaped. But that also means, think about the sea. The sea doesn't cover the whole earth, but the water covers the whole of the sea. There's no aspect of your life where the wisdom of God is not seeking to be made manifest. There's no aspect of your life where the glory of God doesn't want to permeate and manifest through you and through you make you a witness so that people look at your life. They look at you and you have become a witness. You don't do the witnessing, but you have become a witness of the manifold wisdom of God being expressed through your life and people say, wow, that's what God can do in a human being? That's a life built by Jesus? Wow, come on, I'll have some of that. The commission to extend the conditions of the garden, to see the rule and the wisdom of God expressed throughout the whole earth is bound up in that teaching people to observe all that he has commanded. But here's a caveat. Here's a caveat. This is why this isn't a religion. This is why this isn't about, hey, let's go tell, let's, let's turn the great commission into telling people a bunch of rules and how to live better lives. The quest to see the wisdom, the will, and the ways of God expressed in all of human life, it can't be divorced from 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I think that came first in the commission for a reason. See, the dominion, the rule, the authority that you and I have been restored to, the wisdom of God that he wants to bring out in each of our lives, it's not contained in a law. It's not contained in rules or regulations. It's not contained in a new Christian religion. It's expressed in life. Over and over in the New Testament, when you listen to Jesus and what he's saying, he says, I've come that they might have life. If you have the Son, you have life. The whole point and purpose of what Jesus did was to put his life inside of you. You have eternal life, not because God's punched your ticket and says, okay, I'm giving you something in the future. You have eternal life because the eternal life of the living God came into you. You've been born again because the one who was raised from the dead came into you and now is your new life. It's all about life. It's all bound up in life. And here's the deal. Fallen humanity doesn't have the capacity to rule. Only Christ does. That's kind of, that is a little bit of a hard and fast line there, but I think, I think it's true. I think you're in Adam or you're in Christ. There's two types of humanity on planet Earth, and there's two federal heads to each, for lack of a better word, each, each species. There's Adam, the guy in the garden, and there's what calls, Paul called the last Adam in 1 Corinthians 15. You're in Adam or you're in the last Adam, which is Jesus. Ephesians 2, 1 to 3, this talks about the condition of, of the first Adam. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, on whom also we once all conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath just as the others. Guys, to be free from that, to be free from being under the bondage and the dominion of the devil and sin and sickness, we have to be made alive. Ephesians 2, 1, but you he made alive. When he's describing this, he's saying, this is what you once were. But in Christ Jesus, because of God's incredible love and mercy, he raised you up into something else. He made you alive. And now because you have his life inside of you, you're not subject to any of that stuff. So we must, we must, through the realities presented in baptism, understand this if we're going to engage in our mandate. We have to understand that we have died with Jesus. We've died. What we were, you have to be willing to go to the cross. You have to be willing to say, I'm crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I've got to be able to go there. I got, to, I got to. I got to be able to go to Romans 6 and say I was buried with him in baptism. A couple weeks ago, we had a pretty powerful baptism service. It's, it's amazing. The realities that this present, it's not a one-off thing. It's a daily thing. I was buried with Christ in baptism. But hey, I got raised up into new life. I've been raised up into new life. Now I walk in newness of life. Just as Jesus lives by the glory of the Father, I too now live in the newness of life. His life has become my life. If we don't understand that, and that's not the pretext for our discipleship, and that's not what we're leading people to, unfortunately, all we've got is a religion. All we've got is things to tell people about how you might live a better life. Let me show you six steps to be a better person. That's not what God's after. It's really not. When he wanted to fix you, he decided that has to die, but I'm going to raise you up into something new. Can you hear the freedom in that? Can you hear the freedom and you don't have to fix yourself? Can you hear the freedom and you don't need to become a better person? 
Can you hear God's call and his invitation there is not let me help you work through this. It's let me help you realize you died. That issue is dead. Its power over your life is broken. Now come on into the truth of it. Manifest the reality of it by faith, which is what this whole walk is about. The just shall walk by faith. Embrace the reality of this and you'll, man, you'll be, you'll be free. <laughs> you'll be launched. But this is why Jesus said, hey, if you want to be a disciple, the key is, and the key for those of us who embrace the call and the commission to make disciples, is if you want to be his disciple, this again, it sounds a little bit harsh, but listen to this, Luke 14, 26 to 27. Jesus said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father, mother, wife, and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Wow. He's being really harsh there. He's like, uh, actually, uh, I'm not trying to add to the church right now. I'm trying to take it away. (laughs) Here's a line. You want to be my disciple? This is how it goes. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. But when you know the reality of what he's trying to say here, it's actually he's not calling you into a religion. He's actually trying to get you to drop it. That word hate, it's the Greek word mazeo, and it's a measurement word. It's a comparison word. Jesus isn't saying, I want you to you know, honor the, your father and mother that'll go well with you and live long in the land, and then Jesus shows up and says, hate them. That's not the case. That word hate, it means it's a comparison word. And he says, when you've got to hate your own life, here's what he's saying. He's like, human beings have life in our soul. You've got your own life. Adam and Eve, this is like a 30-minute talk I'm going to do in 30 seconds, but Adam, when he was made, it says he became a living being. And that word in the Hebrew is nefesh. In the Greek, it's suke. Adam had human life. It was God-inspired, God-breathed, but he had life in his soul. Paul, or Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 says, the first Adam was a living being, a living soul, but the last Adam is a life-giving spirit. Here's the idea. Jesus is trying to say, you got to go to the cross. Carry the cross isn't a call to live a dutiful religious life. It's a call to let the weight of what happened at the cross press in upon you every day. Let the weight of your co-crucifixion with Jesus be a daily thing that presses on you, that that you are marked and shaped by the fact that you died with him at the cross. That's a living reality in our lives. So what he's saying is you got to lay down your life because this whole thing, This whole discipleship process, this whole relationship with me, the manifestation of everything I've called you to, it doesn't come out of your humanness. It comes out of your new creation. That's why Paul's saying, guys, you keep getting obsessed with circumcision, and then these guys over here, they're obsessed with uncircumcision. You miss the plot. If you're fighting between grace and works, if you're fighting between circumcision and uncircumcision, Paul's like, you missed it. Here's what it is. It's new creation. It's life inside of you. It's Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the life in his church, finding expression through us. And if you, can't, if you don't embrace that, you can't do the whatever, whatsoever I've commanded you because it's not actually the institution of a religion. And our mandate is not actually to go out there and tell people how they should behave. Our mandate is to say, hey, come to the cross. Jesus has new life for you. He loves you so much. He wants to make you totally new. There's a new birth. There's a new creation that you can participate in. There's no way to be a disciple and to make disciples. There's no way to live the wisdom and the commission of God and bring others into it if you don't know Christ as your life. Only then are you restored to the authority and the dominion to follow out the Great Commission. And only by leading people to Jesus as the new humanity, the new creation, can the whatsoever I've commanded you. Or in Ephesians terms, the wisdom of God, the manifold wisdom of God find expression through you. Or in Genesis terms, the rule and dominion of God, that is only possible through the internal life of Christ coming out of you. 
That's only possible by the Spirit of Jesus. And we got to know this, guys, because we got to lead people to Jesus. We're not, we're not here for religion. We're not here for rules, right? We're not here for teaching people how to be better people. The mandate is so much greater. It's so much more beautiful than that. Jesus is the way. He is God's way. He is the truth. He is the life. And the mandate, it goes beyond just pa- the power of positive thinking and psychology. It's something that's done and lived out in the power of spiritual power. So Paul said, I don't have words. I don't have wise words. I've got power. Because what's actually needing to happen and transpire in you is power. The power of what, what the writer of Hebrews calls an indestructible life. That's the power of God's life inside of us. See, the deficit of humanity in our time is not knowledge. It's not like we don't know stuff. It's not like being made a disciple is God coming and saying, hey guys, I got a better way for you to do something because you just haven't thought of this before. That's not the basis of our authority to participate in the mandate, and that's not the problem. The problem isn't education. It's not the lack of illumination or education. It's not the lack of psychology. It's not the lack of of knowing stuff. It's the life of Jesus. Romans 12 says this, I beseech you, brethren, therefore by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed into this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. See, being disciples and making disciples, it's a lot more than gaining new information. It's not just the renewing of your thoughts, it's the renewing of your mind itself. So honestly, I... I don't know if anybody reads the Passion Translation. I think there's a little bit of controversy around that, but I like it. I find a lot of, find a lot of wisdom in it, but I found this quote in a, uh, by Brian Simons on the word metanoia, and he says this, the Greek word for repent is metanoia, and he says it means simply more than just changing your mind. It means to take another mind. Every believer needs to turn from his or her error and take another mind, the mind of Christ. See, if, if, if discipleship is just in the realm of let me teach you how to do something better and live a better life, and then we can do that through here's a better idea, here's a better thought, let's swap this thought out for that thought, then we're still in the realm of, of merely psychology. We're still living in the realm of suke. We're still living in the realm of religion. We're living in the realm of let's be better moral people. But God would have us to take on the mind of Christ. God would give us his very life and the light that comes through that. So education and, and, and doing things a better way, it's never the answer. And neither is politics or religion. The two things you're not supposed to talk about, right? Just saying, I like this, this quote here, Thomas Brackett Reed. One of the greatest delusions in the world is the hope that the evils in this world are to be cured by legislation. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but the, I think, I think, one of the reasons why the world has a hard time with the concept of even allowing the church to speak into their world and try to help them to become disciples is because we haven't embraced the mandate to baptize and then teach. What we've done is we've said, you need to change your law. You need to learn something. You need to know something. Let me educate you. Let me engage in something called Christian psychology, whatever, in order to transform how you're thinking about something. But what Jesus has offered all along is the tree of life. He offers the nations the the tree of life. It's for the healing of the nations. The leaves of that tree are for the healing of nations. 
So it's really, 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 really necessary. We've got to embrace the, the mandate. The mandate is not let's go change laws and times and seasons. The mandate is not let's run around and tell people how to be better people and do more moral things. That stuff will happen, but if it doesn't happen as an expression of Christ inside of people, it's the wrong mandate. It really is. There's a, we won't get into that, but there's a mandate given to the government and there's a mandate given to the church. You can read about it in Romans 13. All the troubles throughout history is when those two things cross over. If you, if you look back, when the church started to believe that their mandate was to change laws, dark ages. It got ugly. It got nasty. It got violent. It got really ugly. And when the government gets involved in trying to make people holy, it doesn't work. Only the power of Jesus can do that. Our mandate to multiply, to fill the earth, to be disciples who make disciples, and to multiply according to kind, to manifest the rule of God in our lives and reproduce those of similar kind who can and will also manifest the wisdom of God. And that is only possible, only possible, when you embrace the reality that you've died with Christ, you've been buried with him, raised up together with him into new life, and that new creation is the one that has the authority in Jesus. It's that new creation that's empowered by God. It's the Holy Spirit that's fallen upon new creation, the church. Jesus put it another way. He said, you must be born again. You must be born again. And that's what we got to lead people to. We can rule. We have the authority. We have the capacity. I think it's Psalm 110. It says, rule thou in the midst of your enemies. There's never a scenario where we should shrink back and we should feel, man, it's so dark or it's so difficult or this person's just not going to accept Jesus. I'm not going to talk to them about him. There's, there's no scenario where we need to feel pressed hard back on. I know it's an analogy that's used often, but when you open the curtains at nighttime, the darkness doesn't come in, the light goes out. We have the authority. We need to walk in the confidence of the mandate, but not only the mandate we've been given, but the authority that we have to accomplish it. And we need to be clear on what it is and what it is not. It is to lead people to Jesus. It is to lead people to the cross where they get to receive a whole new life. Wow. All, everything, every good thing that I have, everything that I have in the Lord and all the changes and the transformations that have happened in my life have happened when I actually stopped and I gave up trying to be a better person and I embraced the fact that he made me alive and by faith I embraced that reality and applied myself to live in a way informed by that faith that wow, Christ is in me as victor and as overcomer. I'm more than a conqueror through him who loves me because the conquering one lives in me. Greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. He's more than adequate and more sufficient inside of me for any of my weaknesses, my deficiencies, my problems. That's why I'd rather glory in my weaknesses because when I'm weak, then I'm made strong. Come on, you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes the prospect of, of inviting people to church or trying to lead people to Jesus, it's, uh, it's nerve-wracking. What, you know, what, what if I say something? What if I get rejected? Or, or more, more importantly, I found that a lot of people, their, their, their concern isn't necessarily for the sting of rejection in the moment. It's, what if I transgress a boundary here and this relationship gets forfeited? There's legitimate concerns. How do, how do we do that? But we do. We, we've got the help of the Holy Spirit. We've got the authority to pray, to bind things that are working in people's lives. And honestly, guys, if you, if you love, here, here's the ultimate release of authority. Love. When you love people, you can be rejected by them. You can invite them to church, and you know what? If you love them well, it's still a positive encounter. Why? Because love never fails. Love never fails. So I love people enough to take a chance. Love people enough to risk rejection. 
And ultimately, I love people enough in my relationships. Well, how deep are we going to go if me saying, would you like to come to church is going to break that? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> how deep is our friendship really going to go if I can't share that with you? I'm just saying. Govember, the mandate. How does, this, how does the mandate relate to Govember? Well, I believe this. I believe there's a twofold mandate, as we've seen in Genesis 1 and Genesis 28. We've been given dominion and rule. And part of what that looks like in the new covenant is doing all the stuff that Jesus said, and and in in a different way, I'm going to say, to express the manifold wisdom of God in every aspect of our lives. Religious humanity can't do that, but neither can humanity disconnected from the life and the wisdom of God in Christ. We're called to express and export the king's rule and domain in our persons, in our relationships, in our sphere. This This is about Christ's life and wisdom working in us, making us something. And that's another part of the mandate I want to show you real quick. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I think we touched on it already, but we've not been commissioned to go out and do witnessing. We've been made witnesses. That's a a powerful difference. It really is. You know, I think it was Peter who said, always be ready to to give a reason for the hope that's in you. When people ask you, implying there's something about your life that actually raises questions. There's something about my life that's like, wow, what's going on with that guy? I want to know. Be ready to give an answer because you will be witnesses to me and finally to multiply and fill the earth, to reproduce according to kind. Not religious people obsessed with rules, but people who happily embrace the wisdom of God for our lives, who embrace the king's domain, people who've embraced this authority and can lead others to it. That's why it starts with baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Here's another incredible component about leading people to Jesus. If the reality of what he's done for you is real and at the forefront of who you are, you're going to live an encouraged and happy person. You know, in the Bible, it often says, you know, uh, David encouraged himself in the Lord. Speak to your soul. Why are you so down and downcast within me? I I got to do this to myself often. (laughs) Isaac, why are you so downcast? Smile. The life and the joy of Christ is in me. Sometimes I got to dig a little bit to loose it, to let it, let it be loose. But I'll tell you what, when you live in such a way, what did Jesus say? He said, let your light so shine before men. There, there's a shining. There's a, I'm a very private person too. And honestly, I, I feel like this has turned into confession time. But I'm a very private person. But one of the things that I find to be challenging is Jesus says, you know, so let your light shine before men. That means you've got to be willing sometimes to open the windows open the door, let the light shine out. And sometimes that's just not conducive to life sometimes, you know? I want to go home. If I lived in the city and I had a garage, I'd go home and go right in the garage. Thankfully, I don't have that problem because nobody lives near me. But I can happily, and it's a tricky thing, especially when you work at a church. Like, oh my goodness, my whole world is often filled with people who know Jesus and love him. And so sometimes you got to go, you got the extra mile and try and find an extra way to find somebody. And you got to be intentional. And uh, it's, it's a little bit tricky sometimes, I'll be honest with you. But that's, that's the beautiful thing about things like our wing night. And I'm going to end with a shameless plug for that. Yes. I don't know if you know this, but the pace of life, it just seems like it's a lot, eh? It seems like there's a lot going on. There's a lot of busyness. There's a lot of stuff happening. You could fill your day all the time. Work if it doesn't take all your, uh, all your time, your family might, or your, your, your interests. But So what we're trying to do, I don't know about you, but it, like... People are kind of put off when you just kind of walk up to strangers these days. When I first got saved, I was like, oh my goodness, I made my own tracks. I walked up to strangers. I put them in their hands. And I did all that stuff. And I got rejected more times than not. But there was a couple cool times. I don't know if that's uh, 
I don't think I would be accepted any more today than I was back then. Maybe culture's moved in a slightly different way. So we try to create these moments for these little windows of conversation. And that, that's the value of things like bingo and wings night. That's the value of it. You know, we get to hang out together. We get to see one another, but we get to create these opportunities. We get to bingo and wing night could be the tree that some Zacchaeus is going to climb because they want to see Jesus in a community. So things like this, you know, it's, it, it is a social thing. It's a lot of fun, but it, there's a theology behind it. Right. Pastor Carl's talked about the theology of picnics before. But guys, one of the challenges anyways that I find is finding these ways and these opportunities to be exposed to people and let people be exposed to me. And so this is a beautiful opportunity. All Out Sunday, not only All Out Sunday, but Bingo and Wing Night. And, and come and come intentionally and bring people. And hopefully there's going to be this opportunity created, this little window for people to climb the tree and get a glimpse to Jesus in the midst of all of us. This beautiful community that Jesus is building and through whom he's expressing the life of his son. And they'll see him. And I'll tell you what, the rest is history. Jesus didn't say to Zacchaeus, I want you to give it all back. He just exposed Zacchaeus to his goodness, his grace, and his power. And something inside of him said, wow, I'm made for that. That's what we're inviting people into. Amen? That's what Govember's all about.